Good morning. Here's your scripture reading for this morning. One simple verse in James. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Welcome again to to Orphan Sunday. In case you didn't know, maybe you've never heard of it, but it is, I didn't know what to, I, I put in scare quotes, it's an event. It's an annual event. But the purpose of it, more than what it is, is what it's for. And that is to make, to help make or keep the church conscious of the cause of the fatherless. By participating, we are joining many churches around the world today that have chosen to highlight God's heart for and commands regarding the most vulnerable among us. Well, under that banner and in light of James 1.27, I have two main goals for the sermon this morning. You ready? Even if you're not, here they are. First, I want to answer a simple and straightforward question. I, I hope, so if I were to say to you, what is the essence of living a life in this world that is pleasing to God? If I were to ask you that question, what would your answer be? How, how would you define the essence of living in this world in a manner pleasing to God? Well, James says that right at the heart of that answer is to visit orphans in their affliction. I don't know if that's what you would have come up with. That's not what I would have said. I, I would have said it differently. But here's the point. I want to answer the simple and straightforward question, why? <laughs> why is it that James says that? What is it about caring for orphans in their affliction that gets so close to the center of what it means to live a life that's pleasing to God? That's, that's the first goal. Here's the second, is to get you to ask and then answer a second question that flows out of the answer to that first question. It sounded confusing. It was clearer in my head than it sounded when it just came out of my mouth. But, but goal number one is to, to explain why James would say that at the heart of a life that is pleasing to God is caring for orphans and their affliction. And the second goal is to get you to ask a question and answer it in light of that, the answer to that. And that is this. What should we be doing? What should I be doing? What should you be doing to better care for the cause of the afflicted orphan. In other words, I want us generally as a church and then each of us individually to figure out how specifically to better care for the fatherless as an act of pure religion. Because you can care for the fatherless not as an act of pure religion. But you can't have an act of pure religion that is entirely devoid of caring for the fatherless. And I'll tell you why that is throughout the course of the sermon. So to accomplish these goals, we're going to start high. We're going to start up high and then work down closer and closer to the ground. So in keeping with this year's theme for Orphan Sunday, I intend to help you see what God has done for orphans in the Bible. So the, the theme is what has God done? See what God has done. I want to help you to see it in the Bible. What God has done in Grace Church, and we have a fun video to help you see that. What God has done in my life, which is a little weird, and I'll tell you why that's weird later. And then finally, what he might do in your life. So let's pray and then dive in. God, thank you that, well, we prayed this this morning, and of all the sermons I've ever given on Orphan Sunday, the one that stands out to me the most 
the idea, the biblical reality that stands out to me the most is that you, God, are great beyond measure, and all of that greatness is directed at the cause of the fatherless, the vulnerable. I even got to pray this already this morning, but but I'm so thankful, God, that while most people who are powerful use their power at best to distance themselves from the vulnerable and at worst to manipulate and take advantage of and pervert justice for the vulnerable, you who are more powerful than all have all of that directed to the care for the vulnerable, to the lifting up and the building up, the sustaining, the fighting for, and the commanding of others too as well. Fight for the cause of the orphan and the widow and the sojourner. God, please awaken us to your heart and your mind and your actions this morning as a means of awakening us to the reality of the call that you have placed on us to share your heart and your mind and your actions. Help us to not be discouraged by the fact that we can't do it all today, but encouraged by the fact that you can and you are, and you are inviting us into that. Help us to know that our sins regarding orphan care have all been forgiven as we look to Jesus Christ, as we hope in him. They've been done away with. And in that knowledge of our forgiveness is strength for repentance and obedience. May all those things be true of us this morning and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So once again, the theme for this year's Orphan Sunday is see what God has done. And our aim is to spend some time together this morning considering and celebrating the marvelous works that God has performed and is performing and will perform on behalf of the fatherless. We'll begin by looking at several aspects of this recorded in the Word of God. To truly appreciate what God has done regarding orphan care in the Bible, I want I want us to move from God's heart to God's commands to God's gospel. So what is God's heart? I hope I hope you're familiar with this. But if not, I'm excited that you get to be familiar with it this morning. What is God's heart for the orphan? Above all, what he has done is set his love upon them. He has a special measure of love, the the Bible tells us, for the orphan, which leads to a special measure of protection and provision. I'm going to give you a list of straightforward passages. Deuteronomy 10.18, if you're in Berea this morning, you saw some of these. John shared some of these already. We read one of them in our psalm for this morning. But Deuteronomy 10.18, it tells us this. God executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Again, while many seek to exploit the fatherless, God executes justice, feeds and clothes them. That's his heart. Deuteronomy twenty-seven nineteen. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. Not only does God himself fight for the orphan, he curses those who fight with the orphan. <laughs> That's pretty cool. What is God's heart for the fatherless? Psalm 10, 14, 17, and 18. God has been the helper Of the fatherless. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. 
Of course, God hears all prayers in a certain sense, but this passage says that God hears and responds to the prayers of the orphan in a special way, helping and strengthening and protecting uniquely. Psalm 68, 4 and 5, sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord, exalt before him. Why? Because he is father to the fatherless. Sweetest of all, perhaps, this passage tells us that God himself will be the father of the fatherless. Psalm 146, 9, the Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. Hosea 14, 3, in God, the orphan finds mercy. Grace, you and I were made by God to love what God loves, to care about what God cares for. God loves and cares for orphans in unique ways. Therefore, if we are ever to thank and feel and act rightly towards the orphans in this world, we must begin by giving serious thought and prayer to God's special heart and special for and special actions toward them. See what God has done. Well, how about his commandments? Generally speaking, I have found that when I come across the commandment of God, my first thought is, that's that might be hard, or or that's tricky, or shoot, I've failed at that, or it is God's expectation. But but I want you to think about it a little bit differently. It is his expectation, that's what his commandments are, and I have failed, and they are hard, and those are all true, but before any of those is something else. Let me give you a, a quick for instance. If I say to my kids, command them, don't talk to your mother that way. If, if I give them that command, that, that's, they need, probably it means they have talked wrongly to their mother, and it means they need to obey, and those are true. And, and, but before that is a view that I have towards the way they're meant to honor their mother. And so before the command itself, and any failure to the command that might result from that, is this deeper understanding of my heart for Jerry. You with me on that? So before we can ever fail at God's command, understand them, or anything like that, is a heart from God or in God that is revealed in the commands. There are no arbitrary commands. They all come out of his burden for something, for someone, for himself, for us. So again, I'm about to name a few of God's commands for his people regarding orphan care. And at the end of the sermon, I'm going to come back to them as commands that we need to obey and talk to you about how you might. But here, however, my main aim is to call you, not to call you to obey them, we'll get get to that, but to consider what God has done and is doing through them. Again, before it's a command, it is the heart of God. In other words, I invite you to first consider these as further expressions of God's heart for the fatherless and his care for the fatherless, that God would choose not only to set his own heart and direct his own actions toward the orphan, is great and marvelous. But that he commanded his people to join him in these things is greater and more marvelous still and more work on behalf of the fatherless. See what God has done. So in Deuteronomy, one of the clearest examples is back to Deuteronomy 10.18. I read this earlier, which is God's heart. Execute justice. God executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. But the very next Verse is a command for us that flows through that. What is it? 
because that's God's heart, because that's God's burden, because that's what God is doing, he says this, you therefore love the sojourner, for you are sojourners in the land of Egypt, because this is my heart for the vulnerable, for the orphan, the widow, the sojourner. This needs to be your heart as well. Do you see that grace? Do you see what God has done here? In issuing this command to his people concerning the orphan, God is further establishing care for the orphan. It's his love for the vulnerable before it's his command to us, and it's his command to us as a revelation of his heart. Because I love the fatherless, God says, I command you to love the fatherless as well. Exodus twenty two twenty two. you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children shall become orphans. In promising burning wrath and death for all who mistreat the fatherless, God is doing a great thing. <laughs> he is revealing his heart and what he will do. Deuteronomy 22, 3. Thus says the Lord, do justice, people of God, children of God, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow nor shed innocent blood in this place. And likewise, Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, and bring justice to the fatherless. Grace Church, see what God has done for the orphan. He has commanded the entire army of his people to work relentlessly for justice, righteousness, deliverance, and protection for the orphan at the penalty of his wrath, his burning wrath. And of course, in our Passage for this morning, God cares for the orphan by commanding his people not only to work towards these things on behalf of the orphan, but to do so in the context of a relationship. That's what our passage for this morning tells us. Listen to this. We are not merely to serve as impersonal advocates. That's, there's a, that's good. There's a place for that. There's bureaucracy and there's ways we need to file paperwork and But we're not merely to serve as impersonal advocates. Right at the heart of the command in our passage for this morning, or the reality of our passage for this morning, is that we're to do so while pursuing friendship with them. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Again, these are just a few of the many commands God has given to his people concerning the manner in which he expects us to develop and live out a heart towards the orphan for their good and God's glory. See what God has done in commissioning his people from every tribe and tongue and nation to direct their strength in his strength to those without strength, (laughs) the fatherless. So we've seen God's word, God's commands, and now let us see what God has done in his gospel. The final In most significant way, we see what God has done for the cause of the fatherless in the Bible concerns the relationship between orphan care and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We might ask ourselves, why God is? It's a good question. (laughs) I, I I hope the reason for it is obvious to you, but why 
why God is, you ask yourselves why God is and calls his people to be particularly concerned for the cause of the orphan. Why is this? Of all of the things, you know, global warming isn't mentioned in here. It doesn't mean it's irrelevant. It just means that's not what this is talking about. Of all the things God might mention, why so many times over and over, of all the commands he might issue, why so many times over and over do they concern the cause of the orphan? In simplest terms, it is because there are few things in this world, in this life, that are able to, buy, to provide a clearer picture of the gospel than orphan care. That's why. Why is God so concerned? Because in many ways, orphan care is a visible picture of the gospel. It gives us categories in the physical realm, like he so often does, for our deeper needs in the spiritual realm. So just listen to two passages. John read uh, within this earlier this morning, the second one earlier this morning, but here's Romans 8, 14 to 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. When you come to faith in Christ, he puts the Holy Spirit in you to lead and to guide you. And those who have received the Holy Spirit in faith have also been adopted as sons of God. For you did not receive the Spirit of receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And then the Ephesians 1 passage. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. There is an unmistakable God-designed connection between orphan care and the gospel. And that way, physical orphan care provides a visible picture of the invisible saving work of God. It is this last point, seeing what God has done in his gospel, that gets right to the heart of the answer to the question I opened with. At the beginning, why is pure and undefiled religion defined largely by caring for orphans in their affliction? The answer is because it is, again, such a clear picture of what Christ does for us, spiritual orphans. Just as our relationship to money is one of the clearest examples or the best indicators of our true love, our approach to orphan care is one of the clearest indicators of our understanding of the gospel, of whether we need the grace of God, whether we deserve the grace of God, what the grace of God looks like. In other words, God has designed the church to care for physical orphans ultimately as a means of teaching us about our own spiritual condition and needs and his provision for them in Jesus. When we care for orphans then, we are gaining gospel categories as well as demonstrating the goodness of the gospel and our need for it. So what, is, what, is, what does the Bible tell us God has done for the cause of the fatherless? He has set his love and protection on them in a special way. He has commanded his people to set our love and protection on them in a special way. And he has sent his one and only son to die in the place of every spiritual orphan 
who would receive him, to become a spiritual father to the fatherless. How, how awesome is that? So with, with that, I hope to have helped you to see the prominent place orphan care plays in the heart and work and commands and gospel of God. Well, in the way of an encouragement, let's zoom in a little bit. What does this look like in reality? What does this look like in Grace Church? What has God done here? The, or- the Orphan Sunday team has put together a video we're going to watch in just one second. It doesn't cover everything God has done at Grace, but it does give you an idea. It takes little quotes from people who have served in orphan care and invites you to ask them, to to see these quotes, to see these people, and then go to them later and ask them to tell you the fuller version of their story. Thanks to Ethan, too, for taking the, the, the team's ideas and putting it into video. So let's, let's watch this. What has God done at Grace Church? specific numbers actually uh, over twenty five thousand dollars have gone has gone from the offering directly to families that are adopting and helping to prevent fatherlessness probably double that at least came from you indirectly to that more directly still we've together hosted around 35 orphans through the foster care system 20 kids through safe families and together, for good and many, many more through Global Fingerprints and Compassion International. Further over the years that I've been here, our church has been involved in the adoption of eight or nine children domestically and internationally as a means of honoring God and loving these kids. And most significantly of all, God has adopted each and every one of us who have called on the name of Jesus. Since I've been here, we've baptized over 50 people adopted by God into his family. On top of that, we've shared the good news with hundreds more spiritual orphans, giving them the words of eternal life and inviting them into the family of God. Do you see what God has done, Grace? Pretty awesome. Here's the the third heading. See what God has done in my life, which sounds like one thing, but it's actually another. Before putting the spotlight directly on all of you, I want to highlight one more way for you, to, for us to consider what God has done. In inviting you to consider what he has done in my life, I want to make something clear. I'm not doing so because I'm a, an especially good example, but precisely because I'm not, and I mean that. That's not like fake humility, it's, it's real. I was exceedingly apathetic and then reluctant before God, before God began to make changes in my mind and in my heart. And even now, the reality of orphan care often feels more overwhelming than natural to me. So why then would I ask you to consider what God has done in my life? For one main reason, to encourage you that the baby steps that he's taken me through in my life, if he can do that, he can in me, he can do that in anyone. So I want to answer three questions. Number one, why was I apathetic and reluctant, and why am I now more overwhelmed than anything else? Where, where did that come from? I ask that because I imagine many of you can relate. 
So three reasons that I can tell, that I can put my finger on. The first one isn't all that bad on the surface. and In fact, it even sounds decent until it doesn't. Uh, I'm trying to spend my life well. That's a good thing. I want to invest my life in things that matter. And orphan care has often felt to me like it would derail those things. The fact is, I know that I am finite. I know my limitations. And I can only do so many things in a day. That's all true. That means I must necessarily leave hundreds of good things undone every day. It is good that I want to protect the good things that I've already committed to by not saying yes to so much that that it all suffers. That's all fine and dandy and peachy, except the fault in that logic is that I was allowing some good things and some not-so-good things, if I'm being honest, to crowd out the better things that God has given. Orphan care is among the better things. The second reason for my apathy, reluctancy, which I actually don't think is a word, um, and overwhelmingness is that I'm selfish and foolish. I want my peace. I want my quiet. I want my comfort. I want my sleep. I want my money. And I want my best life now. And unchecked, I will make my wants and have made my wants higher than God's. That's selfish and foolish. And the third and final and ultimate reason that I la- is that I lacked, lacked and lack God's heart and mind. Earlier, I shared God's love, commands, and gospel concerning orphans. I argued that genuinely God-honoring desires and actions toward the fatherless come directly from rightly appreciating those things. I don't. <laughs> I don't rightly appreciate those things, and so I have never rightly engaged in orphan care. So as far as I can tell, my apathy, reluctancy, and overwhelmedness stem mainly from those three things. So what has God done? So if that's what I was, and still I am to some degree, what what has he done in my life that might be an encouragement to you? Again, I'm not suggesting I'm a model of unparalleled orphan sanctification. I'm not. I don't run an orphanage in a third world country. I've not sold all that I own to establish a grant or adoption agency. I do not spend hours a day and sometimes minutes or even minutes a day sometimes in fervent prayer for the fatherless. I'm not sharing my home currently with dozens of kids who have no family of their own. In simplest terms, God has brought about just a couple of changes in my heart and mind. First, he's changed me from unconsciousness. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, like... He made me aware that there are orphans and that they matter. The first thing he did, sounds pretty modest because it is, is he is slowly growing consciousness in me of his heart and the reality of the fatherless, for and the reality of fatherlessness. I spent much or most of my life unsanctified enough that I never even thought about orphans, and now I do a little more. (laughs) Again, if you sense that the bar isn't all that high, you're, you're sensing this rightly. God is changing me in that. By God's grace, I'm increasingly aware of his perspective and expectations. Pretty simple and unimpressive on the surface, but in a hard heart like mine, it's an an awesome gift nonetheless. Another change he's made. God changed me from consciousness, but indifferent, to consciousness and mildly concerned. 
It's one thing to be aware of what God has said concerning orphans. It's another thing to care about it. I didn't know, and then I didn't care, and God is changing that. Even in my consciousness, I lacked and lack sometimes burden. I'm still far away from sharing fully in God's heart, but it's easy for me to see some real changes in my prayers, affections, and actions. Again, unimpressive, yes, but significant and miraculous also. Lastly, slowly but recognizably over the years, I mean, the bar went from like here to here to here, and now it's about to jump all the way to here. But it's real, and I'm thankful, and I'll tell you why all this matters in one second. The third one is this. God has moved me from needing a really, really, really good reason to say yes to needing a reason to say no when Jerry asks for another human being to come in our home each week. (laughs) So it went from needing a really, 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 really good reason to say yes to just a reason to say no. My disposition is shifting. I really do know that none of those things are all that impressive. I, I know that, which again is exactly why I'm sharing them with you. God may set your heart on fire for the fatherless this morning or this week or this year, and I've prayed throughout this week that he would, and mine too. But more likely and more humbly, he may simply and graciously make you conscious. And then perhaps less indifferent. And then perhaps a little more open. That may not seem like a lot, but in my case, the practical reality is God has burdened my life in this in a way I don't know of anyone else. In these little bar-raising things, I was as if a, a dam holding back the grace of God in this torrent of my wife. And by, by these three slight changes, we brought two little girls into our home and dozens of others over the years that we've cared for. Not because of me, that's the point, only that I stopped damming up what God meant to do. And so maybe you're the rushing current, or maybe God will produce that in you this week or this month or this year, and that's awesome. Or maybe you're a little humbler like me, you're a little more sinful like me, and God will work in you just enough to get out of the way of that current and let it flow and let God do what he means to do in the cause and for the cause of the fatherless. If he can work these changes in me and do some of this stuff through me, he can do it in and through anyone. So here's the last question before I lean on you guys. How did God bring about this change? Where did it come from? Maybe you're thinking, all right, that sounds reasonable to to know that there are orphans and to be at least a little bit more concerned and, and open, that sounds like a reasonable change. Where might that come from? Three things that I can put my finger on that God used to do this. His word, good books, and Jerry's relentless prayers and prodding. <laughs> uh, he broke through some of my bad thinking and selfishness, my apathy and sin, by helping me gain a deeper understanding of his word concerning orphans. His, 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 he opened his word to me in new ways. He did that largely by placing good sermons and two good books in front of me, and I can tell you about those later if you're brave enough to read them. It changed the course of the Van Acker trajectory quite a bit. The other main way that God, I said, that God has brought about whatever sanctifying work he has is through Jerry's persistence, prayers, and prodding. In all honesty, he has used her more to shape my life and even, I can say this, the trajectory of Grace Church's orphan care 
than anyone or anything else I know. If you want a real example of godliness in this area, don't look at me, look at her. God has used Jerry's love for the vulnerable, her prayers and her persistence to change more than just me even. He has given her from the beginning of our relationship, when we first started dating, a special love for those who especially needed to be especially loved. She always talked about wanting to care for kids that not everyone would be able to care for. Many, if not most, of the things God has done for the fatherlessness for for the fatherless in and around and through me and this church are directly tied to his work through her. That's awesome. So with that, what might God do through you? I'm just going to give you a list. I didn't. I should have written this, written these down on your outline. I didn't. You should. To land this plane, I want to close by asking you to prayerfully consider what God might do through you. Keeping in mind that this is Orphan Sunday, but that there are orphans and ways to care for them all year around. Our family care corner, which is in the fellowship hall, is meant to make you aware and keep you aware of those. But with all of that, I have a, a, a short, pretty simple list. And I urge you to pick at least one. Here's the first. Give yourself increasingly to worshiping God. Carve out time each day to read his word and pray and worship him. The more you fall in love with God, the more you'll care about the things God cares about, including and especially the fatherless. Maybe that's your Orphan Sunday application, is go back to having daily quiet times. Or maybe for the first time, commit to having a daily quiet time, to to seeking God in his word and in prayer, that he might change you and your heart towards the things he cares about. Second, evangelize. Share the gospel with an unbeliever this week. Recommit yourself to proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. The more the gospel is able to take hold, the fewer orphans there will be. Because the gospel produces godliness and godliness produces healthy homes and people with a heart to invite others into them. And on top of that, when a sinner repents and trusts in Jesus through our evangelistic work, they are moved from a spiritual orphan to a child of God. You can help care for orphans by evangelizing. Number three, help. Help work to prevent kids from being orphaned by serving with Together for Good. There are really lots of ways to do that, like just driving your car, driving someone in your car, driving some things in your If you're not even a people person, you can help orphans by driving things in your car from one place to another. There are lots and lots of ways. Hosting kids in your home, doing devotions for moms that are in trouble. Number four, pray. Pray for orphans. Pray specifically for specific children to receive specific love and specific justice and specific families. Pray for Christians to pursue God's mind and heart. Pray for those who are considering adoption or in the process. Pray for Christians to obey God's commands. Number five, give. Give lots of money, lots of money (laughs) to adopting couples, to godly grant and adoption agencies, to those who are engaged in orphan care, to better care for orphans. And I want to 
Nelson's so that you don't, I saw you, so that you don't, you know, feel weird, plug your ears for a second, but give lots of money to our adoption fund so that we can get all of the Nelson's adoption needs paid for. (laughs) So please, if you haven't already, consider giving generously to the adoption fund because we want anyone who will say yes to this to have Whatever burdens they have, we do not want it to be financial. We, we want to make it as easy as possible. It can cost a lot. It really can. Number six, talk. Seek out, seek out one of the many families of, great, of grace who are serving in orphan care in some capacity. Hopefully we'll be able to share our hearts and describe the reality of the process, the good and the bad, the hard and the easy. Perhaps we can answer some questions that you might have, and it might even help you to overcome whatever fear you have or whatever hesitancies you have. But even if after talking to someone, you realize that fostering or adopting isn't right for you right now, that's okay, but at least you'll know better how to pray and support those who do. Number seven, care. Care for orphans through a godly organization like Global Global Fingerprints or Compassion International. And incidentally, Global Fingerprints is going to be giving a brief um, presentation tonight at G2G. They're not. They are not going to do that, but it would have been really cool if they did. And we thought about that they might. Uh, but but consider uh, caring through an organization that already is doing this. And lastly, seriously and prayerfully consider consider becoming a foster or adoptive parent. Obviously, the most direct way to care for an orphan is to bring them into your home and into your family. So here's my conclusion, just a couple sentences. Do not feel guilty about not doing more. Convicted, maybe, but guilty, no. Do not cast your head down as a result of whatever failures or apathy or indifference or sins that you might have regarding orphan care. Thank God for a church that helps you to see God's See God's word more plainly on this matter. Thank God for the sufficiency of the cross to atone for all of your orphan care sins. Thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit to to convict and strengthen and grow you in this. Think, pray, and then in faith, take baby steps towards better caring for the fatherless in Jesus. In his name and for his glory.